0: Finally, my campaign is finished. Everyone is going to have so much fun. This is going to be awesome.
1: Are you sure it's really ready?
0: It, yeah, I, I think so. Who is this?
1: It's me, your self-doubt.
0: So Self-doubt? Why, why self-doubt? I mean, it seems like it's pretty good to me.
1: <laughs> really? Your NPCs seem pretty one-dimensional. And an adventure in the sewer system? Isn't that a little cliché?
0: Well, yeah, you know, I can rework this. I can make it to where I'm doing it somewhere other than the sewer system.
1: Don't get me started on the plot structure. Talk about a real snooze fest.
0: That's not nice. On this episode of Becoming DM, we're talking about dealing with DM imposter syndrome. Hey everyone, this is John. And
1: this is Felicia.
0: And before we dive into our topic today, I just want to take a moment to remind everyone that this is the last episode before we take a break. Oh no! (laughs) So we are planning on returning October 1st, so set your clocks, uh, synchronize watches, whatever you need to do, we will be back (laughs) then. (laughs) But I I know that that you may be thinking, what am I going to do over these next couple of months now that we're not going to have Becoming DM?" I know. We have something for you, right? Mm-hmm. We are going to be doing a giveaway. We're, we're making some stickers with the Becoming DM logo on it. And... It, uh, the first fifty people that submit ideas for the episode, we're going to send you a sticker. No, uh, no, no, skin off your back. You just get it, <laughs> submit, submit an idea, and and we're good to go. Uh, the only requirements are that it has to be a an idea that's related to the topic that we do. Uh, that being tabletop role-playing games, running them, stuff like that. Uh, it doesn't have to be something that we use. So if you submit something, we say, yeah, that that's really not for us. Um, we'll still send you a sticker.
1: <laughs> yes. So please send us your ideas now.
0: Yeah. So um, just go to becomingdm.com and click contact or reach out to us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash becomingdm or via Twitter. We're uh, at becomingdm. All right. So let's go ahead and get to the meat of the show.
1: Meat and potatoes.
0: Yep. Uh, and before, and to do that, we need to kind of talk about what is imposter syndrome, right?
1: Yep. Yep. Um, Imposter syndrome is essentially thinking that you're not good enough at whatever it is you're doing. In this case, being a dungeon master, right? You're not mm-hmm. good enough to be a DM. All your campaigns are poo-poo. Uh, you know, as the evil creature in the uh, skit mentioned, you know, terrible plot structure and, oh, my goodness, horrible, horrible NPCs. It's really just really self-doubting yourself to the point where you really think that, like, you're not a real DM. You're like a fake DM pretending. You poser. You
2: poser.
0: <laughs> and, and it's important to note that when you think about imposter syndrome, it, it it would be easy to get locked into the impression that it's just new DMs that have this happen to them. Which is and- a a lot. It it does happen to new DMs, but it also happens to experienced ones. In fact, Mm -hmm. a couple of months ago, I was kind of feeling that way. And Mm -hmm. and we'll talk about how we got over it here here a little bit later. But it it definitely can happen regardless of if you have, if it's your first ever session or Mm -hmm. you've been doing it for 30 plus years. Um, It's just something that happens.
1: And another potential scenario for that as well is, you know, regardless of what your experience is as a DM, it may not even be about your experience. It may be Mm -hmm. about the experience of your players. So you can have some very seasoned, you know, role-playing veterans at your table and that intimidating circumstance in and of itself may have you sort of questioning your abilities as a DM, even if you have been doing it for a while.
0: Yeah, definitely. When I have people that that really know the rules backward and forward. It takes mm-hmm. me a second to 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 step back and, and <laughs> see them maybe as an asset rather than they're they're an affront to my abilities as a DM.
1: Exactly. And you know, when I first started doing um my whole group like as a DM, it was really intimidating for me. Um because I had the worst of of both sides. I was a brand new DM and the people at my table, um, which was yourself included. We're we're very experienced people in role-playing and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm just this is gonna be a crash and burn scenario. And everyone's gonna yeah, laugh me off the stage and <laughs> it's gonna be horrible.
0: And I just made it so <laughs> terrible for you, didn't I?
1: Really? <laughs> actually on page 35 of the manual. Yeah, no. <laughs> it actually turned out um okay, ladies and gentlemen. Just so you know, I, I managed to survive it.
0: <laughs> so let's talk about um some perspective around Around this whole um, imposter syndrome,
2: yeah,
0: and and we we kind of mentioned this earlier, but but mm-hmm. it does happen regardless of the amount of, amount of experience you have. So if you're new and you're feeling like this, just understand that everybody that runs games at some point in their in their we'll say quote unquote career running games, um, they're probably going to have have experienced this, and mm-hmm. they're probably experiencing it right now oh, just yeah. because of the nature of imposter syndrome.
1: Well, and then the other thing to also kind of keep in mind is like sometimes it's not even about like, you know, whether you think as a DM you're going to do well or whether your group is experienced or not. Like some people just don't really feel comfortable being in the spotlight, you know, Mm -hmm. like playing as a player is one thing, but then having all eyes on you, you know, and being the one that's responsible for like the turnout of this game, like that's a very intimidating scenario for anyone.
0: Yeah. And, and when you have uh, a DM that, that i know like like you and i kind of had uh, mm-hmm. started out where somebody was like well hey you'd be a great dm because of these other skills that aren't mm-hmm. about getting up in front of people they're about how creative you are what kind of stories yeah. you write or things like that you it, it's they're they're relying upon this different skill set right. to say you're going to be a good dm and then you get into it and you're like oh i need <laughs> to i have Wait! I need to make voices for NPCs. Right. I need to. I need to talk in front of all these people. I need to think on my feet. Oh my gosh! This is, right? this is I'm going to be terrible at this. I have to like validate <laughs> the rules that I make. What? <laughs> yeah,
1: it's not so fun being on the other side, is it?
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and and because of because of that, it doesn't. We we talked about about. Uh, experienced players can c- kind of sometimes trigger this, but if you if you have a different group makeup where they're all new mm-hmm. or where it's a different size, um, small or big, uh, it can happen anywhere because even if it's a bunch of new people, you could be concerned about I am their entryway into this game and... And if I totally blow this, then these four people are never going to play this game again. Oh,
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> and that actually has happened to me a couple of times. I've, I think I've mentioned on numerous occasions that I frequently introduce new players um, to my table mm-hmm. and they all have not always turned out to like be players that stay. I mean, I have a good staple, like four players that stick around, but I've had at least on two occasions, people that came to the table and then never came back after that first time. Um, just wasn't their thing or maybe they were particularly bored but it's hard in those moments to not like be like wait was it my fault like was i not engaging enough was the story not fun like it's like just self-doubt just creeping into your brain
0: yep yep and uh additionally it happens with any system so it, w- i know we we talk mainly about DD and pathfinder here mm-hmm. but if you're playing gurps or star wars or teenage mutant ninja turtles or whatever <laughs> this can happen yep. um it doesn't doesn't matter what system you're playing because you're yeah a lot of the skills you're using a lot of the the mental processes that you're going through are going to be the same regardless of what system you're playing
1: it really yeah it really can break down to like maybe those individuals really aren't into the role-playing or strategy style games at all um you know I've, in a sort of slightly related way i found that out very quickly when i started playing escape rooms it was really mm-hmm. fun had a great time i had a good group that i went and i would say like after the fifth room or so was when people started dropping off because it wasn't as much of their thing as it was mine. And by the time I got to like the 20th room, like My husband was like the only one that was willing to like, <laughs> stay around and do it with me. And then by like the 30th room or so, he, even he was like, oh, he's like, do we have to? I'm like, but it's our anniversary. Can't we just do one more?
0: <laughs> I know we've done this one before because yeah. we've run out of rooms yeah. in, the, in the area. I
1: know. I think we are. We're actually starting to run out of rooms in the city. I mean, not obviously now no one's open, but it was it was definitely something where you kind of have to recognize that sometimes it has nothing to do with you and it has just everything to do with just that particular circumstance Um, in this case, role-playing or tabletop games, you know, it's just, it's not everyone's thing.
0: And I, I think another kind of important thing to give you some perspective is, I know that it can be really uh, daunting when you have a, a DM that's a player at your table. Mm-hmm. Just because of that, you feel like they've they've had this knowledge, they have their way of running games, and they're they're looking at you, thing, thinking, "Why are you running the game like this?"
1: <laughs> totally uh, judging.
0: <laughs> but but really, and I, I can say this from experience because when I joined your game, uh, mm-hmm. that was the first time in. And oh gosh, probably a couple decades that I had been a player, and <laughs> and I'd been running games uh, on and off that entire time. So it's for me, yeah, was, for me it was just it was great to to not be running the game yeah. and to to just be a player. And and a- as a as a player DM, it does take a a few moments to like turn that DM brain off and and yeah. not feel like you're, you're oh wait. I don't have to tell them this because I'm a player. (laughs) Uh,
1: This isn't my campaign.
0: But if you're running a game for those DMs, a lot of times they're just glad for, at least in my case, just glad for the opportunity to be a player.
1: Yes. Oh, my gosh. It is such a such a nice thing to experience every once in a while. I am even when I was um, like when I played yours for Pathfinder. Mm -hmm. That was the first time I'd ever played Pathfinder as well. And it, it really was, it was nice to like kind of restart and be like, oh man, I'm going to create a character and rebuild these stats and have all, I'm going to try someone new, someone I've never done before. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was like also like, hey man, this is a chance for me to like learn a whole new system. I've never done Pathfinder. So, you know, even though I did a lot of DMing for Dungeons and Dragons, like still Pathfinder was a new thing for me. And that was like a breath of fresh air, all sorts of new and fun things i even like was glad when we had a friend stay with us for a while and and we did like strategy board games i was just Mm -hmm. glad to be a player (laughs) i
2: was like (laughs) i
1: don't have to have all the answers or all the rules like memorized it was really nice yep
0: and and kind of the last piece of perspective thing is is you really need to understand that you are your own worst critic um Yeah, you may you may look at things and 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 do a post mortem on a on a session and be like, oh, that was so terrible,
2: mm-hmm. but
0: it's it's ninety nine percent certain that it's not as bad as you thought it was, mm-hmm. and it's 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 also likely, uh, at least from all the games that I have played, that it was still fun for the people playing. Um, oh yeah,
1: yeah.
0: There, there there. Yes, there's occasionally a dud session where it just wasn't fun and something mm-hmm. went wrong, but in in all the games that I've played and run, it's been few and far between. It's, yeah. it's the exception more than the rule.
1: Yeah. And and I would even say like, even now for me, when I run campaigns, like afterwards, I still do that. I run through my own head, like, man, I could have done this better. Was this really fun? Or, you know, was I as organized as I could have been, did the turns take too long, like all sorts of stuff. And like, my husband has to kind of hear me like just of <laughs> all this stuff, like, oh, you know, it was this. Going
2: neurotic was- about it. <laughs> yeah, and he's just sitting
1: there like, yep, of course, uh-huh, nope, it was great, babe, it was great. Like, <laughs> But he's he's always really enjoyed the campaigns I've made. But, it, you know, for me, it was always been really helpful to, like, be able to sort of voice my insecurities and kind of help. I think even just the act of saying it out loud to someone else, just kind of voicing my concerns and insecurities, helps to kind of put it in perspective and give me a little more balanced um, viewpoint on how everything was. And after I say it all, I'm like, you know, it does kind of sound silly now that I'm saying it out loud. <laughs> like, yeah, actually, you know, maybe it wasn't so bad. And even the parts like you were saying that were duds, maybe like those, you know, those weren't so crazy drastic as I thought they were. And, and, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: you know, and so it, it does help. So, you know, for those of you guys too, that like have that issue, sometimes it helps to just sort of talk about it out loud <laughs> to someone who's a sympathetic ear, if you will. Or even your dog. I talk to my dogs all the time.
0: <laughs> they know all about your DM. DM they really? Did. Yeah. They, if
1: only if only they could talk. Boy, what the secrets they would tell.
0: <laughs> yeah. So you kind of um, actually think got got us into the next little subject we're talking about is what what can you do about it as a DM? And I think mm. talking about it uh, is is a great way to start. Even if you're just verbalizing it, so that you can hear it and mm-hmm. understand if it's a if it's a silly concern or if it's something maybe you should take a little bit more seriously.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: uh, so I th- think that's important.
1: No, no. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that kind of ties into like what we were talking about, like where it's like, Hey, you're your own worst critic and vocalizing it is sort of you making the effort to acknowledge that it's not as bad as you had thought, you know, and, and that frequently happens to be the case. Um, and I think that's one thing is as DM sometimes we aspire to perfection Mm -hmm. Like as good as we can possibly make it and it will never be perfect, but that doesn't mean it can't be good. That doesn't mean it can't be amazing and wonderful and fun for your players. So like, I think if you stop trying to hold yourself to that expectation that everything has to run smoothly and perfect. um, And and as long as it turns out to be good or fun or awesome, then, you know, it makes, it makes you a lot easier on yourself when it comes to that self criticizing um, situation.
0: And, and the, the, the whole doesn't have to be perfect to be fun. I, I feel like a lot of the games that I run lately, there are definite things that afterwards I think would be a great improvement. And I always mm-hmm. think about this is, this is not what I, what I would like. I, I would really like to have these other things mm-hmm. uh, with how I ran the game. Yeah. And, and you can get kind of down on yourself. Um. And if about a month and a half ago, I had one of my players, we were texting back and forth, just, mm-hmm. just, having a conversation and 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 he paused for a second and was like hey man i just want you to know that uh that uh you're probably one of the one of the better dms that i've had and i've had quite a few and blah blah Uh blah and it was like and i have been all this time thinking man I, i i i hope this guy is enjoying it he's the newest member of the group and and i don't he didn't really say much in the game, so I, I was never sure. So, yeah, again, thinking about that perfection, but he was having fun the whole time, so it it all worked out. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's so nice to hear something like that. You're all like,
2: really, yeah. <laughs> really?
1: Have you um have you ever watched that movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Yes. See, there is a part, and I'm not trying to like crazy spoil it, but it was on the previews, <laughs> so these aren't spoilers, ladies and gentlemen. It was on the preview. Uh, but there was a part where like Leonardo DiCaprio acted a certain part out with a little girl. And then afterwards she came up and she was like, that's the best acting I've ever seen. And then like she walks away and you could see him getting all emotional and trying to like not cry for what she <laughs> said. <laughs> and this reminds you of that situation. Like one of our players comes up and they're like, that was a great campaign. And you're like,
2: really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <to say." laughs>
0: Uh, but another thing you can do uh, as a DM is, is really just be upfront with your players, explain yes. what the situation is. Uh, mm-hmm. Hey guys, this is my first home, miss my first homebrew. Yep. Or um, as in when you played with my, played in my game, I was mm-hmm. like, Hey, I've only run Pathfinder for children so far. <laughs> so I'm not, might not know all the rules, all the answers, just be, bear with me there. We'll, we'll kind of roll with it. Um, just being uh, upfront with your situation and what, and being honest with what you feel your, uh, your shortcomings are, Mm -hmm. which may not even be shortcomings at all, uh, (laughs) can, can really help because then you under, you, you know that the players understand where you're coming from. And so it, it makes it a little bit easier to feel like you're doing the right thing.
1: Yeah. Well, and I mean, it allows for flexibility too. I mean, cause one thing is like, I think the admission that like you're not this like, omnipotent being that has all the (laughs) answers also makes you approachable to your players. So if there is like critiques or they have suggestions or things that they want to bring up, then it makes you more approachable as a DM. So it kind of works both ways. You know, it helps for you not to have, well, for your players not to have unrealistic expectations of your abilities as DM to keep it real and keep it honest. At the same time, it makes you approachable for your players to help you become a better DM and help those campaigns, um, you know, become better campaigns.
0: And, and I think that having that um, that con- conversation with your players and, and kind of setting the expectation that that it, this is this is me this is where i I feel like I might be lacking but also having the conversation of this is the game that we're playing we're all mm-hmm. here to have fun yep. um, to encourage them to, to give you that that feedback mm-hmm. um, because I want to have fun and I want you guys to have fun and mm-hmm. and if we're all having fun then great if we're exactly. not then let's figure out why
1: Well, and it's also a good opportunity to set standards, you know, like if there's certain elements of the role playing game or the tabletop game that you're not going to incorporate because you are a beginning DM and you don't want to overcomplicate things. It's a great Mm -hmm. opportunity to set those standards and expectations as well. Um, When I first started, like very first started as a DM, I was just like, look, guys, like. I've been playing on and off, but you know, and I'm relatively familiar, but DMing is a whole new thing for me. So bear with me if I have to look up rules or if I don't necessarily know all the answers or if I defer to, you know, X, Y, and Z who's sitting at my table, who's far more experienced than I am. Um, you know, I just upfront, this is me, take it or leave it. Hope you have fun. But I think that kind of leads to the next thing where it's like, you know, it's okay to like utilize the experience and knowledge Absolutely. at your table. Um, if it, it may be intimidating to have those experienced players at your table, but you know what? Take that and turn it into something positive. I, I did exactly that. I had a very experienced player at my table who kept impeccable notes on every campaign <laughs> that we did, which is great because I have old lady brain and I always have trouble remembering <laughs> a lot of things that occurred in the past. So I ended up just like making a public announcement like, Dur-dur-dur! Uh, I was like Jerry is going to be our official historian, so he's the scribe.
2: Uh, he's <laughs> guy. So
1: when it comes to recapping next time on what happened in the previous episode of Felicia's campaign, um, Jerry will be the one to kind of debrief us on everything that happened, and that was my way of delegating um, to, to someone else with more experience. Um, I also pick his brain too when like certain nuances of rules. Um, come into play, and I'm not hundred percent sure because they always pop up. So I'm like, I don't know. Can we do blah and blah? Uh, and, you know, he's always been very helpful. So I just I keep it real and I keep it honest. and I tend to utilize my player's strength if I know that it can help us overall in the campaign
0: and and by leveraging strengths like that, like like Jerry was the the historian, mm-hmm. it also plays into other things. so when um when I joined as a new player to that campaign, uh, Jerry was kind of my liaison, like, the, he's <laughs> like, hey, here's what's going on. Here's yeah. some information about what's going on. And so that took a, even one more thing off your plate that you probably hadn't expected when when he far, first started taking the notes and, and being the historian, oh, yeah. was that that easy plugging people into the story and having them understand what's going on.
1: Exactly. And And when the group agreed as a whole to do like a group fund, like when it comes to like all the money and stuff, I had someone else, a different player, keep track of all those funds and how they were going to split it and how they wanted to use it. I just had them keep track of that as well, because again, one less thing for me as a DM to have to worry about so I could focus more on the campaign. Yep.
0: And another thing that you can do as a DM to kind of combat, uh, the, this imposter syndrome mm-hmm. is just ask your players for feedback. Um, yeah. how, 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 was the game today? Uh, anything that you would improve and, uh, and it doesn't even have to be specific to the game. You can ask them questions like, "What do you want to do in the story next?" which will help you kind of define um what you build and make you more certain that it's something that people are going to enjoy as you oh, as you yeah. build out new new arcs.
1: yeah, and I think that's that's really important because, you know, having multiple eyes on a campaign, you know it's like taking in like ideas and suggestions and things that maybe you never even thought of yourself. You know, it's like I always like to think that really good, um, co- you know, works are collaborative in nature. You know, it's not always just one person's input, one person's creature, uh, cr- sorry, one person's input or one person's creation. It's, it's usually a, you know, multiple efforts, multiple people involved, um, to right, create right. that finished product. So. Yep.
0: Yeah. And, uh, this is something that I haven't done. I don't think you have either, but I haven't
1: but, seemed like a but, good idea.
0: <laughs> but, but, but another thing that you can do as a DM is is co-DM. So yeah. find a find maybe a more experienced DM who mm-hmm. wants some help running a certain aspect of your game of their game. Like maybe they do all the, the role-playing storyline things and need somebody to run combat. Um, you could you could do that. Uh, I've heard of some people doing this. I have again, I haven't personally done it, so I don't know exactly what the labor breakout would be, mm-hmm. but that would give you kind of Um, experience DMing, uh, but also, also experience DMing with somebody who, who may be more experienced, who may know more about something that you're trying to get better at.
1: Mm -hmm. And, and it also helps, I think, for those that maybe aren't used to having the spotlight on them is like, Hey, if you're sharing it with someone that kind of helps ease you into that transition as well in that Mm -hmm. respect. Um, you know, seeing how someone else takes command, seeing how someone else handles under those stressors. And, you know, if you are co-DMing, it's, it's a great way for them to communicate like, hey, so, yeah, when this happens, this is what I do. Or, you know, you might find it helpful if blah, blah, blah occurs, then, you know, try this strategy out, blah, 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 blah. it's it really is a great way, I think, to dip your toe into the pool of DMing, if you will, um, without all the stressors and pressures at one time. Um, If that's, you know, something that you're concerned about, like, I never had the chance to do it myself, but I had offered it to one of my players who had considered, you know, trying out DMing and, and, you know, creating his own campaigns. It was definitely something that I had offered had he, you know, wanted to take me up on it. So I think a lot of DMs would be relatively open to the idea for someone who would want to try and do it.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about it like this, the more DMs that are out there, um, the more <laughs> opportunities that someone might be able to play as a player if they want
1: yeah, to. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. And I, I thought that to myself. I was like, oh, man, if if he ends up being a DM, then I can play some of his campaigns and we can like tag team and I don't have to be a DM all the time. As much as I love it, it's always nice to have kind of a, an opportunity to take a break from it sometimes.
0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to The Midroll. We're sponsored again this week by Darkwind. Whether you're exploring the caves on Volcano Island, trekking through the desert while trying not to die of thirst in Souvriel, or battling golems in the underworld, there's adventures waiting for you in Darkwind. Blending classic text-based games with modern-day role-playing games, it truly is a unique experience on the internet. But don't take my word for it. Play for free by pointing your browser to whatplay.darkwind.org. We'll see you there. Now let's get back to the show. So the next thing uh, to deal with as a uh, as a DM, I'm going to let you kind of introduce because you've done this more than I have. So
1: yeah. So um, one of the things that you know, if, if you're trying to figure out how to start off as a DM, I mean, some people will just dive right into the homebrew kind of thing, but uh, as a brand new DM, I found. That Because I I didn't feel as experienced enough in d d in and of itself to feel comfortable in, you know, being a dungeon master, um, you know, running a dungeon master campaign and, and feeling confident in knowing all of the rules. So I ended up doing a pre-made campaign instead because the pre-made campaign essentially spells it all out for you. Like, these are going to be the rules. These are the characters. This is the adventure. This is how they're going to get there. It even gives you, like, you know, workarounds and backups like, Oh, if they can't get, you know, the information from this NPC, then they can get it from this one. And if you want to modify here's some charts and things that you can do to like anticipate when monsters are going to ha- like attack when they're in the forest. And it helps sort of for me, one, be confident like, oh, okay, yeah, I know this already. And then mm. two, it also introduced some new things that I hadn't considered before in DMing and that I actually incorporated into my homebrews. And then thirdly, um, was things that like, oh, I didn't know that I could do this, you know, like just general rules, things I hadn't known or learned up to that point that I did learn through these pre-made campaigns. So if you're kind of uncertain as to like your abilities as a DM to like really run a campaign because there's maybe too many unknowns for you, then definitely like leverage those pre-made adventures to kind of help you ease into that, um, with a good structure in place, and then maybe from there you can start building your own foundation and structure.
0: Yep, and uh, and if you are if whether you're doing uh, pre-built or homebrew, one thing that you can do to to gain gain yourself some confidence is to do a dry run campaign. Just have a couple of a couple of close friends or family members that that maybe just are interested in it and run through it with them. People that you mm-hmm. trust to give you feedback uh, and honest feedback and not really mean feedback, but honest <laughs> feedback.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this campaign sucks. <laughs>
0: uh, but, but, but getting to the point where they're there, you can run it with them, get some feedback on what you're doing, and then you can kind of tweak it, um, or, or take that, that feedback into mind as you build something new for a mm-hmm. broader group.
1: Absolutely. And I did something like this when I was changing up my campaigns a little bit. I was switching over from the dry erase grids to the tiles, like the individually made modular tiles. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't sure how that was going to work in a campaign. Can I run a campaign? Can I put these pieces together in time? You know, is it going to work out like in my head? Like, is it going to work out logistically as, as well as I thought of it in my head? So, you know, it was my husband and we had one friend staying with us for a few months. So I went ahead and was like, well, let me just do a little quick, you know, small campaign I'll run it for just them too. And then we can kind of test it out and see how it all worked out and what their feedback was. And so that was something for me that was like, okay, good. Like that worked. And when that finally worked, then we introduced two more friends and made it like a bigger campaign. And then I was, I was, you know, I ended up feeling a lot more confident in like my abilities to incorporate the modular tiles into my campaign.
0: Try things out before in 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 small groups before you try them out in big groups. That yeah. definitely helps. <laughs> it, it
1: was good I did because I mean you know, I spent like hours making these tiles, so
0: <laughs> it
1: would have sucked if it didn't work out.
0: All right. Uh, next is to really get prepared. So mm-hmm. a lot of the things that a lot of the things that um, that you have some anxiety about uh, can be at least partially addressed if you're. If you're um, if you're prepared, you spend a little bit more time on, on a variety of things. So that could be something as simple as getting more comfortable with the rules, uh, especially specific to your players. So if you've got a party that's all rogues. <laughs> What? <laughs> uh, um, getting familiar with the with the rules that are specific to rogues and yeah. sneak attacks and and their cunning actions and all the mm-hmm. stuff that they that happens with that um, can give you more confidence. Now, obviously, you're probably not going to have a party of all rogues. It's possible, I guess. <laughs> you never but, know. <laughs> but if you've got uh, a a, par- a party with three or four different um, three or four different um, classes mm-hmm. and and you feel fairly confident with, with two or th- with a couple of them spend some time focusing on the ones that you don't have as much experience on mm-hmm. and that way when a question comes up about a, a particular skill at the very least you have knowledge that that is a skill and and mm-hmm. where maybe to find it um and then if you've really spent some time you can you actually may know the answer right off the top of your head
1: no it's, it's very smart and these are small things like you know Do these, is this person's particular class, you know, do they have Um, Mm multi-attacks? You know, my husband's fighter character has an action surge. What does that mean and how is it used? Or, you know, um, does someone have an immunity or a resistance based off of their class or their race? Really just small things to know and be familiar with so that you don't have to waste time (laughs) sifting through the pages to try and confirm what you do or do not know when they attempt to make an action on their turn.
0: Yep. Yep. And uh, making cheat sheets. Mm-hmm. So especially if you use a, a DM screen, having cheat sheets of the things that you need to make sure you remember and using Post-it notes or taping papers or whatever mm-hmm. um, so that you c- you have this e- easily referenceable thing for those, those rules that always come up that you're like, oh, why can I not remember this? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I use like, so one thing I did was, um, you know, I have a DM screen when I do my campaigns and I ended up getting buying the decks of, like, the different monster cards. Mm-hmm. And the good thing about those decks is, you know, you can they're, – they're two-sided. So one side is, like, the big image, and then the other side has their stats. So what I ended up doing was when I make mine when I do my campaigns, I'll take, like, little bits of, like, painter's tape, and I'll put them on the inside of my screen. And then when I have, like, a battle that they're doing with a particular monster, I'll tape the card to the top of the screen so that everyone else can see the big image. But on the back side, I get to see all the stats of the monster – So it makes it easier for me to reference like right there. Okay. This one has like an AC of blah. It has this many hit points. Um, and it makes it easier for me to like keep track and not have to worry about like, Oh, you know, trying to memorize everything about this monster or should I scribble it all down on paper? It just saves me time. It saves me effort. Saves the trees.
0: Yep. Yep. And, uh, and, uh um, when you get into running your game, especially mm. if you're doing a, a published adventure where they've got this big long river of block text, <laughs> which has these awesome descriptions mm-hmm. that maybe you might lose your place while reading, and then be like, "Where was I? Oh, I was back here. Hold on a second, guys, I got to figure this out." Uh, you can make uh, make description notes from that block text so that you can more easily describe it in your words mm-hmm. by just looking at a few bullet points rather than reading this this 90 line long paragraph.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that worked best for me too. I initially tried to write out all of my description settings and then when I would read it out loud to my players, it sounded very monotone and very like, and then there was tall pillars in front of you and they were very (laughs) tall, tall, tall pillars. But you know, when I um, had just the notes written out, yeah, like the notes were good to reference, but from there then I could kind of like expand on it and make it a lot more like engaging and enri- enriching description for my players. So yeah, definitely you don't have to write a novel about your entire campaign or the description stick to like the cliff notes version.
0: And, and by doing that, if you're, if you're doing a published adventure, it, sort of forces you to read something that I exactly. know that sometimes I've run it that I haven't read it until I get to there. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, no, I got to read this thing. Uh, <laughs> so it gets you better versed in what's actually going on. And the notes are really just kind of for you to remember right then, hey, this mm-hmm. is what I what I read.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, a couple of things is, you know, obviously with any, with any DM, especially in homebrews is like, you've got to maybe Preemptively, if you're going to make a homebrew especially, is just to sort of preemptively think about what choices your players may make. Um, mm-hmm. You know, typical ones, atypical ones, you know, like just sort of be like, man, if I was a clever and mischievous little player, like what things would I try to do in this scenario? And at least considering those options, whether you turn it into like a fully fleshed out idea, um, is still something that will help better prepare you when players decide to try and throw you a curveball. Um, it allows you to be a little better at thinking quickly on your feet.
0: And this is a lot easier to do if you know your players well, know mm-hmm. how they make decisions. Yeah. So so as you're putting something together, if you know that oh uh, they're going to spend 20 minutes making a s- tactical approach to this this band of three ghouls that really don't need a tactical approach, you you can you can kind of think about it and and what changes you may want to make.
1: Mm-hmm, exactly. And I mean the I'm not trying to say like you know, I make things any difficult, but, you know, I may feel like the the inclination to be creative, you know, in a situation given to me. So, you know, definitely like think of those. My husband is rather notorious for that, of, of just <laughs> doing crazy, unpredictable things with his dwarf characters. He's like, all right, what kind of a character is this dwarf like? And I'm going to just do the most brash unpredictable, not thinking ahead of time thing that my character is possibly going to do. And that's what my dwarf is going to do. So (laughs) I try to anticipate that though. It it seems like every time I never do. And he always does something that like ends up like practically almost sabotaging the mission. And and I have to try and figure out what to do. Um, Now
0: it's now his goal. (laughs) Yeah, it really is.
1: I think his goal is to keep me on my toes. Um, But yeah, it, it, it behooves you as a DM to consider those choices ahead of time.
0: Yep. Uh, Also on the get prepared, uh, we talked about this a little bit. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get too far into it. But have a session zero, make sure you talk to your players about Mm -hmm. what their expectations are, what you what your expectations are and what your level of skill is, um, Mm -hmm. just so that everybody knows what's going on. And finally, on the get prepared is have those extra supplies. So it, it can be really uh, demoralizing if you're having a search around for something that you thought mm-hmm. was that you brought as part of your adventure. If you just have a couple extra, then yeah, yeah, I can't find it. Fine, I'll I'll just grab this pencil and we'll redo.
1: Mm-hmm. And that includes having extra sets of dice. Um, I have spell cards that like a lot of my spellcasters like to utilize when they're playing my game. Um, mm-hmm. If you use miniatures, then you know, having the extra miniatures to act as like your bad guys, or if someone forgets theirs and they have one that they can use, um, just a number of things, you know, we actually have extra little boxes for people to roll their dice on as well. Just, you know, one for each kind of every two players, there'll be a dice box available for them to like roll their dice in um, stuff like that. It just, it does make, it makes a difference and it makes things easier.
0: It, it makes your experience and the player's experience that much better. Yeah. So it, 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 it should help with how you feel about how the game ended up.
1: Mm-hmm. And and for me, like as a crazy anxiety ridden DM, anyways, like just having <laughs> some sense of organization does make me feel a lot better. So I even try to provide koozies and and coasters.
0: Yep. <laughs> so the last uh, the last thing we had about um, what a DM can do to help with with the imposter syndrome, mm. you had mentioned to me, and I had never really thought about it. Uh, But I think it's, I think it's a great idea. Um, You shouldn't be afraid to mark up your book, uh, put tabs on your book so you can more easily find information. Yeah. And I I know that there's going to probably be a lot of people going, mark up my books. Why would I mark up this book that I spent however many dollars on? Absolutely not.
2: Yeah. Uh,
0: But I I think that if you're afraid of writing in the book itself, um, adding those tabs in so that you can write on the tabs Mm -hmm, and and mm -hmm. highlight like those most frequently referenced sections mm-hmm. um, can, can really help.
1: Oh yeah. I like, I'll have it tabbed for like, okay, here's the spell section. Here's the one about like weapons. Here's the one about armory e- or, um, you know, armor, you know, here's the section for classes. Here's a section for races. And it just makes it easier to just immediately go to that section. Cause mm-hmm. otherwise I'll forget and I'll have to search the table of contents. And it's like this whole thing. Um, <laughs> it, it just, yeah. And it makes it easier if you're lending your, book out to your players it's easier for them than just to find what they need as well because I've had so many questions about weapons and stats and armor and um, you know especially new players like oh what you know supplies and equipment can I take and you know so it's just nice to have that like ahead of time like I don't necessarily mark in my book but I definitely have the tabs so that I can find the places I need.
0: Yeah. And this is something that if if your biggest feeling of imposter syndrome comes from the level of knowledge around the rules, mm-hmm. this can really help with that. Because yeah, I may have to look it up, but I know exactly where it is when I look it up. I can flip right to the section mm-hmm. and find it without having to go to the index and be like, oh, I'm looking for for this skill. Oh, no, it says it's under skills, dexterity. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got to flip back to dexterity, Yeah, find out what that page is. Oh, there it is. All right, let's go back there. Um, It's a whole process. And if you can avoid that process, it definitely makes things uh, more smooth and makes your feelings of inadequacy a little less.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. Especially when everyone's staring at you as you do it. So it's just sort of like bullets of sweat pouring down your face as like everyone stares (laughs) as you frantically flip through the
2: pages. (laughs) Yep, yep.
1: Um, Now, we talked a lot about like what we can do as DMs to kind of help mitigate that feeling of, you know, imposter syndrome. But there are things that like, For those of you that are listening as players, um, there are things that the players can do to kind of help your fellow DM um, in their endeavors. So, you know, one is if I'm a DM and I'm asking you for feedback, you know, be honest, like let me know, you know, constructive criticism is always welcome at my table. I definitely want honesty. Be kind. You know, I get the constructive criticism, but you know, you don't necessarily have to be like a jerk about it um what was it we called it a poop sandwich if you will the
0: poop sandwich
1: (laughs) (laughs) and if you want to layer on some extra toppings to soften the blow that's totes fine with me but um yeah like if if i'm running a campaign i honestly want to know what i can do to make it better for my players so that open and honest dialogue is really important to me um yeah because because
0: the the energy that you get from players having a good time and having Mm -hmm. fun makes it that much more fun at least for me as a dm when i can see that people are having fun and when when i can tell they're having fun it's a lot easier for me to run a game
1: yeah i mean the reciprocity is definitely beneficial on both sides like i'm having fun time you're having a fun time everyone's having a fun time um so you know that's that's where like that honest feedback really comes into play um you know it's it's there to serve a purpose and that's just to make it better for everyone Um, so the other thing um that you can do, at least in game, is and I've say this before, like especially when I was a newer DM, like, look, guys, I'm not gonna have all the answers. I'm not gonna have all the rules. We're gonna play a simplified version for the sake of getting from point A to point B in the most fun way possible. So if you're a player playing a DM, especially if your DM is new, don't like nitpick and over argue the rules. If they're running the campaign and it's their rules, you know, don't labor that argument too much (laughs) or just avoid it and like maybe wait until after the game is over to bring up the topic when it's not in front of everyone else or in the middle of the game um because it's already like pressure enough to try and like run this campaign well in front of other other people the last thing i want is to be confronted with someone who doesn't agree with my opinion and then it blows up into this whole thing
0: yeah and and just to be clear we're not saying don't ask questions about a rule, like yeah. "Hey, how does this work?"
1: Inquiries um, are fine,
0: but but if if the DM gives you a ruling, an opinion on a rule, mm-hmm. don't don't start this big long argument of "Well, it says this on this, and yeah. this person on this blog said this, and so I think it's this." No, mm-hmm. I- if you wanna if you wanna to 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 express your opinion on those rules and and see if if there's a, a change that can be made reach out after the game because yeah. that's just going to, in addition to tying things up and making things longer, it's going to really weigh on the DM if, if they're, if they're going to have to basically put you down in front of everybody else and say, no, we're, we're moving forward. Mm-hmm. So.
1: That, um, that actually happened in one of the games I played. It was the, um, one that I played on roll 20, which was the murder mystery.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I want to say there was seven or eight of us total in that game. And one of them, like one player got taken out by a mimic <laughs> and he just did not want to accept the fact that his character died. Like he had eaten. It took all the hit points. He died. DED dead. And like this guy just would not accept the DMs ruling that like, oh yeah, well, blah, blah, blah. And I have this. And I was like, you can't do that, dude, you're dead. <laughs> um, and, and it got to the point where like all the other players were like, dude, like you're dead. Just accept it. Like you're done. Your player's done, you know, because it was like, they wanted to move on with the game. And it yep. that was like to the point where it was like, yeah, that's like really adversely affecting, you know, the quality of, of the game for the other players, and and that's one thing where it's like, yeah, that's that's something that like to avoid if you're a player in a DM's game.
0: And then if you have a, a DM that is is newer, try not to overcomplicate your turn, uh, yeah. especially if they've just said, "Hey, we're going to simplify the rules,"
2: mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Uh, because that that just it's adding a lot into it sure if you if you have something specific that you want to do you can ask about it but mm-hmm. but don't just assume you're going to be able to do these 19 different things that you're planning on doing because of these other other things just just be a little bit uh, cognizant of of what what burden you're putting on the dm when you do that
1: yeah i i had a player one time who wanted like every time his turn came he tried to do like 10 different things he's like well i want to do this and this and this and this and this and i'm like whoa, whoa dude you got to <laughs> I was like, you know, it's it's, it's, like just a little bit at a time, like there are other players that still want to be able to like, you know, take advantage of this situation too. We want to be fair to everyone. So you can't do everything all in your turn. You can't like, I'm going to defeat this monster and then I'm going to loot his body and then I'm going to explore the room and I'm going (laughs) to do this and this. And I was like, okay, you can't do all that at one time. Like in reality, your character is physically only going to be able to do one thing at a time. So pick that one thing. Right. Um, which I totally always appreciate the enthusiasm, but as a DM, you know, it does complicate things for me to have to constantly remind them to like ease up and be conscientious of the other players. Yep.
0: And I know we talked about, uh, as a DM, uh, asking players to, to help out, to take some of the load off. But if your DM is not doing that, you can still offer to do things to help take up the slack. Absolutely. You, you notice they're spending a lot of time on thing A that really doesn't contribute to the game.
2: Mm-hmm. Say,
0: hey, I notice you're doing this. Um, That's something I actually feel like I'm pretty good at. Why don't I do that for you? And, and you can focus on these other things.
1: Mm-hmm. There was one thing I did when I was initially testing out different things on my campaigns was um I had like a designated timer person. So mm-hmm. when we had like a really huge, huge group, um, I was trying to limit like the... Um, time for each turn to 10 seconds or less when we were doing attacks. And so I had like a person who was like our timer person. We had like that little, you know, the thing with the sand, like the hourglass. Yes. Thank you. Why can I not remember that
2: <laughs> word?
1: <laughs> we took a like little hourglass, you know, that we had that was like a little 10 second one and we flipped it. And that was that person's turn. And so that person was responsible for maintaining the timer because it was so many people I'm already trying to deal with like stats and movement and monsters and actions. And so that person ended up taking that part of it. Like I'll be your timer person. And I was like, yep. thanks, that's awesome. So it was a small thing. It doesn't require like a whole lot of like expertise or anything, but it made it easier for me.
0: Yep. And, and a lot of the jobs are not going to require expertise. It's just a matter of some manual labor job that somebody mm-hmm. needs to do. And and taking that can can help the DM focus and be more confident in what they're doing because they're not yeah. focusing on these little teeny tiny things.
1: He was an excellent hourglass turner. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Yeah, the other thing um, when it comes to as players, and this kind of feeds back into the not overcomplicating your turn, but like just kind of focus and pay attention on the game.
0: Oh, that's a good one.
1: Yes, please don't distract yourself. Please don't like be on your phone or chit chatting, chat chitting with the person beside you. Um, You know, we don't need your turn to take up more time than it needs to.
0: Well, the other thing here is if you are looking at your phone for any other reason, for me as the DM, that's telling me I totally suck and I am boring <laughs> you and I'm not doing a good job as a DM. That's that's Dad. what that signals to me. So yep. when I get done with the game, I'm like, man, that sucks. What can I do to be better? I mean, mm-hmm. I, apparently they don't like what I'm doing.
1: Yeah, for so, so many reasons. And I think we've talked about this before on like our problem players way, way back in a previous episode, mm-hmm. just yeah don't, don't distract yourself with things that aren't the game itself. That's the whole reason you're there. And whether it's to like, you know um, whether it's to not make your turn longer than necessary, whether it's to make sure that you're not like unintentionally offending your DM or making them feel bad about what they're doing. you know, for all of those reasons and even more like, please just put the phone away. Please just like focus on the game. Gosh knows it takes us so long to create these campaigns anyways there's like a lot at stake for us. So, you know, I, I it's like one of my biggest DM pet peeves. <laughs> Such a pet peeve. I could go on forever. I'm just going to, tra- it's fine. We can move on. I'm not bitter. It's fine.
0: <laughs> well, and and the last <laughs> real thing we had for players kind of tied in what you to what you were just saying. Don't oh, be good. a problem player. You're um, right. And, and uh, aside from just pay, the whole paying attention thing, if you go back and listen to our dealing with problem players episode, you'll see what we're talking about. Don't be a problem player. Don't, mm-hmm. don't cause more trouble. And because when you do that, when you're again, when you're doing anything you can to derail the game, Mm -hmm. that just makes us feel like we suck.
1: It really does. (laughs) And you know what? If you're so dissatisfied, you can take it upon yourself to try and make your own campaign. And then perhaps you'll understand where we're coming from. Yep. yep. (laughs) But yes, please for, for just the kindness and as a considerate and conscientious player. Yeah. Don't, don't be the problem child of the group. (laughs)
0: um i think that's really all we had to talk about today
1: yes it is
0: but just kind of a last reminder this will be our last episode for a couple of months we'll Mm -hmm. come back to you on october 1st Mm -hmm. uh remember that if if you send in those ideas and you're one of the first 50 people to send in ideas we will send you a a cool uh becoming dm logo sticker Mm -hmm. and uh and uh go from there
1: you'll be the cool kid on the block
0: absolutely cool you'll show up to your games and people are like oh cool where'd you get that sticker I gave an idea what (laughs) (laughs) but until October 1st stay stay nerdy nerdy friends.
2: friends hey
0: everyone and thanks for joining us this week If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe and rate us on your favorite podcast platform. It really does help. Becoming DM is produced by John Welsh and Felicia Martinez. This show is edited by John Welsh. If you've got an idea for a future episode, let us know. You can reach us at becomingdm.com, on Facebook at facebook.com slash becomingdm, and on Twitter we're at becomingdm.